Welcome to another episode of The Artistic Director. I'm sitting here with Teresa Thuman. Teresa, how are you doing? I'm good. Thank you. Um, great. So for the listener who's not familiar with you, can you give a history of yourself in the theatrical world that led you to become the Artistic Director of Sound Theater? Okay. Um, well, I um, have been an actor and a teacher. Um, as a professional actor in California for a number of years and a um, member of the Actors Equity Association and uh, taught in theater conservatories and then got very interested in directing and um, then uh, went ahead and pursued an MFA in directing at um, Portland, um, Portland, Oregon at, at University of Portland <coughs> and um, and that was um, that was a great, terrific experience. Um, I've taught a lot at the college level, um, and a lot, as I think I said, in, in acting conservatories and in theater conservatory settings. And so it was a, a great marriage of um, understanding what a an emerging actor is going through in their process of creating um, creating a piece, creating um, a process for themselves as to how to rehearse and how to, to be in a regular performance kind of setting, um, but at the same time able to really address and speak to um, actors and actress singers and and kind of performers in that of that field um, at different stages in their career and kind of looking at problem solving approaches for them so so a lot of um, what I was doing um, as a director kind of turned into not necessarily coaching but kind of mentoring um, artists at different um, at different aspects of, of their stages of, of their growth so um, so and myself as well, I always mm -hmm. consider myself always a growing and changing artist. So there's a real <clears throat> ethic that I have of sort of always growing and always getting better and always um, perfecting your craft and your ability to communicate with other people and your ability to um, bring out the best in other people and ability to address the different dynamics of different people together in a room working on um, a piece. How does the piece speak to us? I think I became very frustrated as a theater artist uh, back in the 90s when we would talk about these lofty ideas often of the plays that we were doing. Um, and we would talk about um, issues of, of equality and, and inclusion and compassion towards others. Um, but I wasn't always necessarily seeing that practiced in the, in the lives of the artists. And so, um, and, I, and I say that because I think that um, I've been very interested, particularly in the last few years, in what, <clears throat> what is the most impactful work you can do for the group of people working on it, and therefore, through their commitment, through their personal, um, uh, their personal growth, their artistic growth, their openness, then create a place where the audience can come and be a part of that and be invited into that process as well. But if we are, are just performing for them uh, without an awareness that we actually have a real responsibility to each other as creators of the work, um, that then audiences will actually get a more uh, powerful experience and will be yeah. more moved towards perhaps change or transformation in themselves. Um, so, so that's kind of, that's shaped I think a lot of, um, particularly the last few years and looking at the company and looking at the world and looking at the realities of what we have available to us in terms of resources and how best to kind of live in this community and, and yeah. 
to our work. Uh, so how do you facilitate that? As How do you facilitate to make sure that you're cultivating a culture is a term that I like to use amongst a cast to in order to let everyone really fully live that experience so they can show a truth to an audience? Well, I think there's... Um, uh, you know, every every director is going to be different, mm-hmm. and so um, you know we talk a lot about how, and hopefully, I can get other artists to sort of buy into this ethic or ethos yeah. or whatever um, that we have for resources. Um, we don't have a lot of money. We're very under-resourced financial organization. We um, do three productions on 100000 a year. Pretty much everyone's volunteer. Um, there's stipends. There's um, even anyone who's not quote-unquote volunteer. It's, it's a very small amount that anyone gets. So we have to look at our resources really carefully. And we, and we look at them in terms of um, there's talent as a resource that we have to manage it very, very carefully. Time is a resource that we have to be very respectful of, of how people use time and how people use other people's time. Um, and, um, and finances, money, we have to look, be very careful of how we use our money um, and what is the, the most, um, since we can't pay people a, um, a minimum wage, um, what is the best way we can use our resources to um, support them in, in their work? And then, um, uh, finally, actually, sounds odd, but goodwill is the idea that that is a currency that we can foster, that we can we can actually um, uh, build it, we can use it, we can draw from it. Sometimes mm-hmm. we have to deplete it, and then uh, we can 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 return and go back to sort of building that. But then, you know, that is all based on having really honest and truthful relationships, a certain amount of humility in how we deal with each other, and. So I think, you know, if it's one of these situations where you say it sort of is established at the top, I can pretty much say that our, myself and our leadership are, um, are, are very supportive of that kind of, that sort of culture yeah. and that kind of ethic of how we, how we deal with each other and, and how we um, communicate with each other. Respect with also knowing we're going to fail a yeah. lot, but have, have the capacity to, to work through that and move beyond it. And really value truth. Okay, there's a lot that I want to talk about, okay. but I need to ask. Uh, there's one question that I ask every single one of my guests, and it's a big, ambiguous question. Uh, and feel free to answer it in any way, shape, or form that you want. Okay. Uh, but the question is simply: What is your artistic direction? Artistic direction. Yeah. I think um, <clears throat> that I think has changed a bit in the last few years, mm-hmm. and the organization has as well has adapted around that. I. Um, because I've spent a number of years as a, a voice and speech coach and, and a language coach and um, doing dialects and, and voice for the actor and stuff. Not right now, I sound terrible. But, <laughs> <laughs> um, but it, it is part of my, my uh, uh, experience in training uh, voice for actors. Um, language, Shakespeare, poetry, heightened language, things, musicals, singing, all of that, that sort of vocal expression. So Sound Theater Company, the, the, the name kind of grew out of of that idea of mm. vocal expression, mm. and um, as well as the first show we did was actually in the water. It was, cool. was in a lake. We did a play in it. We did a Shakespeare Tempest in a lake. Oh, makes and sense. Then, <laughs> and then having some a, a sense of professional sort of sound, you know, professional quality. So that sort of grew out of that, and that that's still true. But I think we've come to. I came to realize, at least, and I think other people have as well, that in the last few years, that's more of an aesthetic than a mission. And so the mission for the organization has shifted, as has my mission as an artist as well. And maybe that's 
perhaps that'll answer your question about yeah. artistic direction, is that I think a lot about um, what the social impact of the work is. It yeah. doesn't mean it can't be high art. I mean, Goblin Market is, yeah. it's not agitprop <laughs> by any means, <laughs> but it is, it has a strong, it can have a social impact yeah. in terms of, of, of really investigating in an artistic way what relationships between women can be, what the, the intimacy between women can be. And, um, and so um, I, I think that now I, I've said that I'm, I'm sort of evaluating plays on three levels when I see them okay. <clears throat> and how they influence me. And one is basically kind of the three-year-old kind of, am I just swept in without any, you know, what is it? Am I just swept in, period, mm -hmm. you know, without any kind of questioning it or challenging it? Does it have that sort of, ooh, ah, kind mm -hmm. of feel to it? And then, um, uh, and then I'll, oh, see, what is the other one? And I know that, that um, oh, and then I'll look at it for craft. Sort of an analyze something and kind of see where does it land on the, the, yeah. the what am I learning in terms of craft? What do I what might I have done differently? Not to be critical and to take down anyone's work, but actually just know for myself as an artist how what would I do differently? You know what yeah. what what techniques do I know that I wish that person knew or uh, that person created this thing and I wish I knew how they got there. Yeah. You yeah. know I mean all those things involved. And then the third one is impact. What kind of impact is it going to have? Is it going to be, um, whether it's through representation or whether it's through um, the ideas of the work, whether it's through the potential discussion, um, mm -hmm. will it actually bring change in a meaningful way yeah. or will it be just an affirmation of values that isn't going to sow any real new action or new um, um, new ways of viewing the world? Yeah. So those are... I, if that answers your question, that's it kind does, of where does, I'm at right does, now, and it's yeah. been decades getting there. <laughs> yeah, well, and it's, we're I mean, we hit the so to give context to the listener, sure. uh, we just I just saw a performance of the Goblin Market. It was very intriguing. It was very like a very abstract show, and I'm still it's doing the good thing in my brain, which is I haven't quite figured it out yet. I'm still like putting the pieces together, and I like it when that happens. But we had a talk back, and we mentioned there's the social political climate that's happening right now that is fueled by uh, uh this is a very biased personal way but uh fueled by bigotry and hatred from my point of view uh, and one of your one of the things in your mission state statement is compassion is and and i think that is a way to facilitate change i guess my question that i'm going to derive out of this sure. little tangent <laughs> is um how do you how do you pick the pieces that will that can show an audience uh, that that compassionate side of an issue to let them see to r rather than to tell them what they should think it elicit mm -hmm. a new thought or engage with a new action as you phrase well let me um, uh, back up to a production that we just did okay. which um, it was uh, a very hard it was it was very um, it was it was kind of, I would call it an important production okay. it was a production of a play called who do love um, which is uh, by Katori Hall and so, um, and she is a wonderful um, black woman playwright. There had been a, um, a project last year called the Black Women Wisdom Project um, that grew out of an organization that's been around for a while called the Lorraine Hansberry Project. So um, obviously working on getting more black um, playwrights and black artists on stage. And so we uh, partnered with them 
uh, for this project. Um, and when I knew I was going to do a season um, of plays uh, by and directed by women, I, I went to Valerie Curtis Newton and said, you know, you have now sort of unearthed or carried or sort of brought up into our consciousness, you know, dozens and dozens and dozens of plays that we may not have, have known otherwise. So let's select one to put in our season as an extension of that. Um, and so it was a, um, a play that was uh, by a black woman. It had a, 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 a storyline following a black woman um, in the 1930s. And there's um, uh, uh, some really challenging things. There's um, sexual assault in it. There's incest in it. There's, um, there's a, a lot of really hard things that happen in it. It's also um, this, uh, this character's journey to becoming a blues musician. So the idea that she becomes a singer, she finds her, her voice as a singer mm -hmm. through these very difficult, hard things that happen to her. It was also directed by a black woman um, director locally, and, um, and then we co-produced with an organization that is um, uh, run by black women about a black woman. So, so it was very clearly <laughs> what the center of this was. And I was a producer on this one um, and an artistic director. Um, but we clearly wanted to put the voice in the hands of, of black women for this piece. And, um, and a question came up um, in both the, um, what Valerie Curtis Newton was doing last summer and here is uh, the portrayal of men, black men. Um, and it is, it's, it's not necessarily kind to them. Yeah. And so how do, um, if that had been in the hands of white artists, mm. that would have had a very, a very specific, um, and I think some people still really struggled with this piece because of that, um, because I felt that it was unfair to the, the depiction of these two male characters. Mm. Um, but in the hands of, black women artists who feel very strongly that black women voices are not getting, um, that, that they, they need more, um, there just needs to be more space yeah. for black women to, to speak up and in their relationship with black men as well as, um, as, as, as the rest of the, the world and the community. Um, that it is, it, it's not our compassion as, as white theater artists to decide that yeah. but because it's that voice specifically that came into every aspect of the production um, and the playwright I believe wrote very compassionate all the characters yeah. very very compassionately but it would be very easy to see them as not being compassionate yeah. um, uh, that uh, you know I mean that is a question so it's not it's it's like that concept of even compassion is um, is something that has so many layers yeah. associated with it and we need to keep kind of pulling those layers away and it's like your compassion is still from your own perspective and your own view and who, who is ultimately the one who you want to to develop the most compassion for and I and I believe to understand how privilege works in our lives and how um, you know um, different aspects basically of privilege to understand that those who have the least privilege are, are the ones who we need to kind of mm -hmm. work towards in terms of giving them voice. Yeah. Also, so, I, I don't I, know if that makes any sense. It makes a lot of sense. Okay. It makes a whole lot of sense. But also, I just I, I've been I've been very intrigued about this idea of like compassionate theater, and I think yeah, th that word is sometimes limiting because I think in like 
if you shove something uncomfortable in, in an audience member's face and say like here's a here's a thing that a group of people have experienced here's a thing that this character here's a sexual assault scenario mm -hmm. that is conventionally on the table like not compassionate in quotes but if it if it allows them to see an aspect of life that they would have otherwise not seen or to mull over an idea that will make them later grow as a person or have a broader perspective i think that's like long-term compassion mm -hmm. where at, in the short term it doesn't quite seem like it and that's I don't really have a question for that. It's just right. Like, no, it's it's a, it's a really interesting thing because it's like, you know, we represent things on stage, and people. I think people have been kind of, um, unfortunately, cultivated by our popular culture to think that if you're representing something on stage, that means you're approving, you're 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 asserting your approval of absolutely, it. Absolutely. As opposed to presenting it so that you can have a transformative reaction to it, without it being traumatizing yeah. to be a participant in it as an audience member. Yeah. So it is, it's it's going to be complex. It's, yeah. it's never going to be that's easy. A, that's why we talk about this thing. Personal. Right? Yeah. 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 That's, uh, so I'm sure I'm you've been in Seattle since 2006, right? 2001, actually. 2001. Okay. Okay. Great. Up here, um, I'm, I'm curious, what, uh, what have you seen that Seattle audiences are, uh, are receptive of? Uh, what what do you think Seattle audiences want or like maybe need more of? Have, have you have you watched the trends of these audiences throughout the years? Hmm. That's a good question. I mean, we are kind of live in a weird place because um, we've been we've we've really been respected a lot for the work and that that we've done um, uh, by the theater community, <clears throat> but they also know that we're doing some pretty high level stuff yeah. on a very low budget. Yeah. And so there's some, some real economic inequities. So when you talk about Seattle audiences, it's almost immediately you bring up, again, issues of economics. Because there are, um, I think there are audiences that are seeking out challenging experiences mm -hmm. and um, are not necessarily um, just going to follow something because it's popular or because it's 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 well marketed or it's well um, there within their their social group mm -hmm. um, that it has some cachet to attend it, yeah. but are actually going to seek out some some challenging experiences, and those are obviously the audience we want to cultivate. <laughs> but at the same time, um, I think uh, audiences have not been here have really the, we're kind of the classic. Um, white fragile town and yeah. the, the term yep. white fragility was coined by someone from here oh really yes. that, that term <laughs> yes yes and, and robin d'angelo lives here in seattle and yeah. so we are um uh very uh afraid to to take certain risks and and afraid to um kind of get messy as an audience i think mm -hmm. and and be complicit in in what's happening so i think that um I think Seattle audiences need more um, stories of compassion, <laughs> yeah. and uh, and to in in pieces that make them think and ask hard questions, and yeah. and um, I'm not sure they're always getting that. I mean, there are some productions locally that have incredibly high budgets, yeah. um, and are spectacles, and are and it can be exciting and. Um, but even in issues of representation and everything, even that can can really change. And, um, and once you start introducing a bunch of money and all the all the the needs, yeah. the economic needs of an organization, 
Uh, so another, this is a universal uh, difficulty that theaters deal with, but how do you, so it's great to cultivate a, a certain type of audience, but it's also, if you're presenting challenging material especially, uh, it's getting new people in to see that will affect, because theater I think is about affecting the individuals in the seats, not the audience as a whole. It's about thinking about how every idea that you implant and everyone goes out into the world. Yeah. And so, mm-hmm. yeah, the... So the, the challenge or the, the phrasing I like is how do you how do you present a thing that's intriguing enough as a theater to make someone not stay at home and watch Netflix where they're comfortable and they can pick what they like you get to pick what you like that isn't necessarily a challenging experience. Not saying right. that there's not challenging stuff on Netflix, but how do you get those people? How do you get those butts in those seats? I guess. Well, you were there today. Yeah, there weren't a lot of butts in those seats. There, were, there was yeah. There was <laughs> it was first, a smaller crowd for a Sunday matinee. It was okay. Yeah, well, that's yeah. Very, very generous of you. We would <laughs> yeah. like to see more happen. Um, I think that um, I mean, so I can't necessarily say that I know how to do that okay. because um, we've sort of hit a certain place where our we have a, a regular rhythm in terms of our audience attendance, mm-hmm. and we haven't really pushed beyond that. We've sort of settled into something, which is that we're going to have about 50, 60 people on the first Sunday matinee. Okay, yep. And then next weekend, it's going to have some challenges, depending on what happens press-wise, but then third weekend, word will be out. And that's when, hopefully, we will um, recoup most of our expenses. Okay. So it's um, uh, we kind of have that that sort of rhythm, but we have to invest in that, getting people to see it so they'll talk about it. Mm-hmm. So we're really, really require buzz and that sort of idea of community um, um, engagement. We had like for the last piece, Who Do Love, which um, it did well, uh, particularly for a very, very black-centered story in Seattle. Yeah, a in very the, white city. In the, <laughs> Seattle, in the Seattle Center during Seafair, yeah. I might add, <laughs> um, uh, which is the, the summer festival yeah. of Seattle. Um, uh, and I think partly because there was enough critical response to it, mm-hmm. valuing it as um, something that really did get out to to people who wanted to see black stories. It doesn't necessarily mean they were all black people, but they were um, definitely were like, yeah, I, I, I'm going to sign it. I'm going to see that yeah. particular thing. Yeah. So, you know, our question is, how can we keep them coming back? Yeah. And um, we've done about three years now. We've done uh, stories with... Um, uh, artists of color that um, uh, are definitely representing the black community. So I feel like we could continue to build on that mm-hmm. um, uh, and try and keep them engaged in the work. But it's it's tough. I I don't have an answer for you really. Yeah, that's. I mean, I, if if you if any of your other people you interview have an answer, give it. It's bring it's away. been one of the hardest questions I've asked so yeah. far. So don't. Yeah. <laughs> and then yeah. so the, this is. I'm curious, you were talking about sort of the trend of representation, but do you have plans for the future Mm -hmm. for, like, making sure that you represent, like, the full swath of human experience uh, within your theater? Isn't that that huge? Yes. Um, I I would love to say that absolutely, but, of course, we're, like, this small, underfunded theater, and it's like... Come on, big theaters. <laughs> do we have to pave the way for you? Do we yeah, have to make it okay for you to do this? But um, I've been, um, I was very involved in a group, a cohort, through a company called, um, that, that, that um, uh, was a year-long cohort in um, social change to the arts. And it's a com- an organization called Art Equity. And they came through t- Theater Puget Sound, and they did a cohort, year-long cohort. And, um, and it was all about social change 
through, through theater. And they've worked with a number of organizations of different sizes and stuff like that around the country. So, so I've been very shaped by that group and that cohort is going to become, I think, a very um, strong uh, advocacy group of people in different different levels of leadership and organizational um, uh, positions um, to advocate for doing work that really is more representative of marginalized communities. Yeah. So, um, so one of the things that I have learned in that process over the course of the last year is that um, there's actually a whole realm of theater and disability that I didn't even yeah. know existed. So, um, for instance, learned about the theater company Family in Denver. Um, I, I haven't heard of it. You're going to look them up. P-H-A-M-A-L-Y. Okay. And it is a professional theater of disabled theater artists. Professional that's disabled awesome. theater artists. Um, so you have to look at that yeah, and see really kind cool of what they do about, yeah. and what they're and and I was just exposed to them for the first time last fall when I was at the um, Statera conference for makes women you want to go to Denver now. <laughs> do do yeah. it's fall in Denver is beautiful yeah. absolutely yeah. go to Denver um, and uh, so I mean I, and then I started reading more and realizing that this is actually something that's really per percolating in the theater communities mm -hmm. is the representation um, of bodies on stage yeah. and so. Um, uh, there's been, you know, some inroads into theater, the deaf community, and, and that is a, theater is kind of a natural place for, for that because communication is such an important part of what we do. So I'm hoping to do um, some more work next year that is um, building on that, build some relationships and um, continue to look at it. Um, also, I'm hoping that we can do next year, um, I kind of laid some, some seeds for this. <clears throat> I think Seattle doesn't have is any um, native theater. And so um, trying to lay some 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 groundwork to do co-production or to um, uh, bring that into um, sort of our into a, into our consciousness that this yeah. exists and it's going on other places but um, for some reason Seattle has not embraced that in its yeah. theater arts and so um, there's, a, uh, there's a youth organization that's very well respected named Red Eagle Soaring and I'm hoping we can continue to build something with them and their alumni because they've been turning out alumni for many years and um, and I don't know exactly where that's headed except that reading plays and we're talking about it and trying yeah. to kind of form a community around that so yeah I'd say yes I'd say uh, again, that sort of what's the impact of it, um, and when you realize some of these communities that are just not represented yeah. on our stages, that impact comes fast and furious when you're saying, you know what? There you go. Yeah. It's stage. Yeah. Yeah. And we'll just, get people here, but it, there it is. Yeah, there it is. And just seeing Look for, at this. for an audience member, just seeing one story about a culture or a human experience right. that they haven't experienced. Right. There's there's this interesting picture that was painted for uh, to me of uh, theater can either function as a mirror or a window. Yes. Uh, yes. And so I mean, yeah, that's you, the same one. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> I, I love it. I love it. Um, and I think there, there's this really special category of plays where. Uh, it functions at first as a window that you can see a mirror through where it's oh I haven't lived this experience but now that I've seen you know the the, the, the range of human experience the way I look at it is that it's so individual for every single person but the themes end up being sort of similar there, there's a there's run through so right, right. when you can see through another person's experience something that you've experienced then it's suddenly like suddenly there, there's more clarity and there's more 
I don't know, there's more presence, mm -hmm. I guess, for lack of a better word. Uh, and when you do that, and you treat that as normal, other theaters, like, I think must follow suit. And it doesn't have to be about whether you recognize it or not. Th that, that is true. It, yeah. it actually can really That's be true. about, wow, that yeah. is not anything I recognize yeah. at all. Yeah, And how fascinating, yeah. Isn't that great? Yeah. You know, like, wow, I, I, I have a lot to learn. Yeah. To understand what it is to walk in the shoes of other people. Yeah. Uh, so we're nearing a half an hour. Is there anything oh. that we haven't talked about yet that you want to talk about oh. in terms of uh, artistic direction or like managing a theater or just the play, the world of theater in general? <laughs> um, I think that I, I would say that um, one of the things that has been very important to me is um, I think like everybody, I, I had a relationship with sort of an idea of a career <laughs> and what it would be. And, um, and, and I have actually found a, a real surprising empowerment with letting go of that, that idea that um, uh, I was either going to be, you know, directing around the country at different places um, <clears throat> and able to work with all these fabulous, wonderful organizations that have huge budgets and, and great ways of supporting you as an artist. And, um, and coming to Seattle and finding that those, none of those doors were really open for me when I came here. Um, and so it's not just a matter of sort of creating your own. It's a matter of realizing that um, sort of living in the fringe theater world for a number of years and still feeling like an outsider, because I was an old lady compared to the people who were doing fringe theater when I first got here. Um, uh, it, that, that freedom and that ability to kind of produce and to do what you want to do um, without someone saying, okay, here's another production of Sound of Music for you to direct, <laughs> you know, is, is, a, um, is a really powerful thing. Yeah. And it's been a huge toll on, on my family and, on, and often on my own kind of um, self-respect and thinking yeah. that as a professional theater artist, I was supposed to do all these things. Yeah. Um, but I have built an a, a amazing community of people by doing this kind of work, and I wouldn't trade that for anything. Yeah. I get to I get to basically work with people I want to work with, and yeah. they I am, you know, I would say I wouldn't say I'm I'm picky in the sense that I'm I'm snobbish, but I am picky in that you know, you got to be good to people or else there's 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 really no place yeah. in the work that we're doing because no one's getting paid a lot of money. There's mm -hmm. no it has to be. We have to treat each other well, and um, and yeah, I'm I'm extremely grateful for that. So that's a surprising thing for me. Yeah. And I was sort of I call myself sort of a reluctant artistic director. I never really wanted to be an artistic director. Mm -hmm. I just wanted to direct plays, and um, and uh, then it sort of fell into that. And then you realize this is so cool when you can work with the people you want to work with, yeah. and you can create the work that you want to do and they want to do. And all of a sudden, you know, without that, that's completely outside of the system, the way it's set up for you to have a quote-unquote career. Yeah. And realizing all the people I knew who, who never got really personally challenged because they were tied to the institution so much. Yeah, they had this perception of what they had to be. Yeah. 
Uh, do you have advice for someone who's like, because that's, you get burned in theater. Like, mm-hmm. y- if, if you're putting yourself out there, you're going to get burned at some point uh, in the theater world. Maybe not. Oh, it, it happens. It happens. Uh, Ever, yep, yep. Do you have advice for the theater artist in any capacity that is in the thick of it right now? Like, what, what, how do you rally and keep pushing into this art form? Um, well, I'm not sure I do start <laughs> off with, but I think that, you know, really, really work on your own authenticity and who you are. I mean, until until really the last couple of years, which we didn't go into the whole thing of my daughter getting involved in social action, which is like, she really involved me in, in a lot of this. Um, and I found out she was right. Um, she wasn't just a radical teenager. She was actually really yeah, right. had some good ideas. Yes, she knew exactly what she was doing. Um, that it was like, I have felt so much more of an authentic person by not trying to, um, by tr- not trying to kind of fit into someone else's idea of what you're supposed to be and what you're supposed to do. And I don't know where the money lies in that. I don't. No. I'd like to believe that there is a way that there's a path that can be um, financially viable with that. But um, I, uh, I, I am. Yeah, I would say, know that. Know your yeah. know yourself really, really well. Be really honest with yourself. Um, Be ready to be humble. Yeah. Always. The the nice thing is theater helps you access that. Hopefully. Fingers crossed. It does. It does. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I always give, um, you know, all of my actors in the shows, I always give them a little speech about, you know, reviews are going to happen. And, you know, I wish they could all just dump on me because I don't have to be up there and do a show. (laughs) They can see that whatever they don't like is my fault, not you guys but you're gonna have to but you know um and you cannot control that and just sort of getting into that place of protect your work protect your voice protect your ability to be in the moment in the show and if that means tuning all that out as much as you can yeah to you know and that includes you know your boyfriend telling you that they don't understand why yeah. why the people with with hoods come down you know <laughs> i mean it's like you know every no one gets to to decide what happens on stage but us. Yeah, yeah, and that's, I've, I've heard the advice, I, I really like the advice, you are enough, where if you're just presenting what you have on stage, then you don't need that validation. You, you shouldn't right. be going on stage for the validation. You should right. be going to ex- like reveal an experience to the audience. Right. And that's right. always right. that's something. Yeah, the, those three words really like I I was told them. I forget where I encountered them. I forget who said them to me. But I just like they hit me so hard and they've been, they've been ringing around my head. Just, you are enough. And I really really ah. <laughs> yeah yeah yeah. Breathe and be and yeah. see what happens. Yeah, yeah, breathe and be. That's great advice. Yeah. Um, uh, I, okay, time for one more question. Uh, sure. What what aspect of uh, leading a theater, or being the artistic director, has uh, come as the biggest surprise uh, to you so far? Yeah, I think um, uh, I, I think trusting my instincts. Mm-hmm. I have grown to trust my instincts a lot, and I I don't think I ever did when I was younger, or starting out, or anything, and into the point of like four different versions. Yeah. I think we can do this. Let's do it. Four different casts. Yeah. I I have a reason. I think it could work. And, um, you know, doing a play in a lake. Yeah. I. Why not? Let's try it. Let's see what happens. Um, uh, so, I mean, and that has happened on a number, a number of occasions. Um, the other thing is I like to think that more and more it's like 
a way to be in dialogue with an audience and with a community. It's like, it's not me and my work, it's other people's work, but I'm still kind of through them speaking with a group of people and having an influence on a group of people. Um, I never th knew I would love actually not directing as much too. I mm. love, I love producing and watching other people succeed and do yeah. beautiful work and be there to say, yeah, this is, this is amazing. This is great. Thank it's you. A special role to be it's like, a, it's like yeah. a parent, you know, yeah, I mean, exactly. it's like you, you, you're like, wow, all I did was say, yes, we're going to do the play. And all these people gave their heart and soul to create this and make this happen in their time and their energy. And all I did was say, yeah, let's, yeah. let's do it. Yeah. And um, just feel this, yeah, incredible pride yeah. in other people's successes, you know, which is really important. And it keeps it coming back. I have yeah, a feeling yeah, that's, that's why I keep coming back. Because yeah, it yeah. just feels so good when a cast is, like, together and harmonious. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Excellent. Uh, we're, we're getting close to the end of the interview. If someone is looking for Sound Theater Company online or mm -hmm. uh, wants to check out one of your productions, uh, do you have any plugs anywhere that the listener can go to, to find Yeah, you? I mean, our website's um, uh, great, um, uh, soundtheatercompany.org. We are on Facebook. Um, we're definitely there. I'm on Facebook. You can find me and I can connect with any kind of other things. Yeah, I think there's a pretty good sense of our history and our projects on those two platforms. Um, believe. So. Awesome. Uh, and then I, I like ending with this question. Can you give me one recommendation of anything at all? Uh, a book, a movie, an mm. album, a quote, way of life, a, a theater production, anything? Wow. <laughs> Say the list again. Uh, a quote, a movie, an album, a way of life, a theater production, or anything. <laughs> yeah, I know it's a lot to pull from. <laughs> I think, you know, to that own self be true. Great. You know. Great. Yeah. Well, as long as you're not Polonius. an asshole about it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, just don't be an asshole. <laughs> yeah, that's no. yeah. To that, to that, don't be. Know yourself. Yeah. To that, don't self be true, and then in parentheses, don't be an asshole. <laughs> right. I might use another word, but I won't write. Yeah. That. <laughs> uh, well, Teresa, thank you so much for sitting down with me. This yeah, was this was, was amazing. Yeah. This is. I'm glad you got to see the show and yeah. kind of see the whole window into our world. Yeah. Yeah. Perfect. Uh, if you are looking for this podcast, you can find it on Facebook and SoundCloud and iTunes. Uh, and listener, thank you so much for listening, and I hope you have an excellent rest of your day.